Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Well, from the Jones residence, from the Jones kitchen, happy Easter. If uh, you're watching this on the church website, Living Rock Church website, or following us on YouTube on Easter Sunday morning, hello. Uh, It's great to be able to talk to you today through the wonders of modern technology. Uh, If you're checking this out at a different time, then my prayer is, whether you're watching on Easter Sunday or a different time, that this message encourages you, blesses you, um, gives you something to think about. You know, uh, Easter is such an important date in the calendar because it gives everybody an opportunity to think about Jesus, to think about who he is and what he's done and what that means for you, what that means for me. You know, for Christians, of course, we wholeheartedly believe that Jesus lived an earthly life. The Son of God became a man and and lived an earthly life, a perfect life. But then he died on the cross. And in dying on the cross, he took our punishment, the penalty for our sins. That he died, he well and truly died. But also, three days later, he rose again. And that he was resurrected and he ascended to heaven and he is still alive. And that truth underpins everything about the Christian faith. That truth puts a smile on our face. That truth puts a spring in our step. That truth defines everything else and is the lens through which we see everything else. It gives us peace and security and joy and comfort in good times and in bad times and in weird, strange times. It's our constant source of hope. It anchors us, keeps us solid and safe and secure. And as I was thinking about the Easter message, you know, that's essentially it, but you're not getting off that easily. I was, I was thinking about the Christ the Redeemer statue. You know the one? It's a, it's a world-famous monument, Christ the Redeemer, and it uh, stands over the city of Rio de Janeiro in Brazil on the Corcovado Mountain. The Corcovado Mountain uh, sort of stands very upright and it kind of looks across the city It's a really imposing uh, landmark in itself. And on top of that is this incredible statue, Christ the Redeemer, 30 meters tall, with a 28 meter uh, wingspan, if you like, of Jesus with his arms outstretched. And I just love that picture, that image of Jesus reaching out across a whole city like Rio de Janeiro. You know, a city that would be very cosmopolitan, very diverse, people from different cultures with speaking different languages, people with different Uh, views of the world and different lifestyles, people, some educated, some uneducated, some rich, some poor, some good, some bad, and and everything in between, old and young, just this huge range of people. But Jesus, with his arms outstretched, saying, I've come for the whole world. And I was thinking about Jesus during his earthly life, that he was a man with his arms outstretched, and that he comforted those who were suffering and he touched those who were sick and infirmed and and on all the edges of society, the ones that were untouchable, Jesus placed his hands on them. That he put his arms around the shoulders of, of people who were lost, who were sinners, who needed to find forgiveness and hope. Jesus fed people, he, his, his arms were outstretched, he showed us what God is like, how generous he is, how good he is, how powerful he is, how loving he is. And then on the cross, in his death, Jesus with his arms outstretched as he hung between heaven and earth. And again, this outstretched arm saying, I've come for everyone. And in that, I'm taking on myself every person's sickness, every person's suffering, every person's sin. I'm taking their punishment onto myself. This perfect 
sacrifice, this wonderful redeemer. And then in his resurrection, that Jesus moved with his arms outstretched and he, he spoke peace to his freaked out disciples. And he said, peace be with you. He showed them that he was alive. And as he ascended to heaven, he, with his arms outstretched, sent his wonderful Holy Spirit who's come to live in every believer and give us the power to live the Christian life and to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus. He's this wonderful, outstretched, armed <laughs> redeemer. I just love that image. You know, Jesus said about himself in John 3, 14 and 15, the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. The son of man must be lifted up. What's he talking about? He's talking about being hung on the cross and he's saying, I, this has to happen. But then everybody that believes in me will have eternal life. John 12, uh, 32 and 33, this is the memory verse for our hot rock group, for the children's group. This is your memory verse, guys. It says this in the New Living Translation. And when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. When I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. And then John goes on to say, he was said this to indicate how he was going to die. Jesus knew that he was gonna die on the cross. This wasn't a surprise to him. He knew this was the sacrifice. This was what would be needed. That he would restore the relationship between mankind and God and that he came for everyone and anyone and everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Their relationship with God will be perfectly and wonderfully and eternally restored. And you know, when Jesus hung on the cross, read about it, you know, at the end of all of the gospels, all of the, the, the books of the Bible that talk about Jesus' life in the New Testament, all of them describe Jesus physically and spiritually and emotionally at his lowest ebb. I mean, think about it, he'd been betrayed, he'd been abandoned, he'd been flogged and beaten and punched and whipped, he'd been spat on, he'd been stripped. He, he was now physically exhausted. He was unrecognizable as a man and he's hanging on a cross. He, things couldn't look worse for him. He couldn't look lower in some ways as he's been lifted up in front of everybody for them to mock him and taunt him. And yet at the cross, when we read in the gospels, we see at least four people who look on Jesus in that state and believe this, he is the son of God. He really is the, who he said he is. Jesus is the Messiah, he's the Son of God. And, and so I'd like to look at those four people, those four examples. I'm gonna break them into pairs. I'm gonna look at what we can learn from that and appreciate that no matter who you are, you can believe in Jesus because Jesus came for everyone. So let's change the environment up a little bit and let's talk about our first pair of examples, shall we? So I thought I'd come outside for my government approved uh, walk for the day and um, give us a bit of an outside view as I pick up the first pair, if you like. And, and the two pairs that I've looked at are, are really helpful because they are very different. They're kind of two ends of the spectrum. They're polar opposites. And the first pair I want us to think about and look at are a man called Nicodemus and then the thief who is next to Jesus on the cross. You know, Nicodemus, we read in, in John, is this Pharisee. He's a religious teacher and scholar. Uh, he's a man who's respected in society, but he wants to know more and he visits Jesus in John 3 in a home at night in secret. He goes to find out what, what Jesus is talking about, who he really is. And what becomes evident is that this religious, educated man begins to realize that Jesus really is who he says he is. In John 7, he's, 
in the council with other Pharisees and he sticks up for Jesus and he defends him. He starts to nail his colors to the mast a little bit, but that is kind of revealed more than ever at the cross because in John 19, we read that after Jesus' death on the cross, only two men are there to take his body to be buried. And one of them is this man, Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus was educated and he was religious, but then he realized that it's not about education, as wonderful as education is, it's about faith and it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. Jesus was a, a friend to him, he was somebody that he trusted in. Uh, he showed that incredible commitment to Jesus after his death on the cross and I just love that. That wonderful picture of somebody finding faith in Jesus Christ, the religious educated man. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got the thief on the cross. I mean, he couldn't be any more different. Nicodemus was respected, this man was hated. Nicodemus was revered, this man was, was demeaned. Um, you know, th this man was irreligious. Nicodemus was religious. This was a revolutionary and, and a thief and a criminal and probably a murderer. And in fact, when Jesus is on the cross, it says in Matthew's gospel that the two thieves, each side of Jesus, one on his left, one on his right, are both mocking him. Both of them are making fun of Jesus during his ordeal. They're both saying, look, if you are who you say you are, save yourself, get yourself off this cross. And by the way, take us with you. If God has come and, and you put your trust in him, then let God rescue you now. If you're the king of Israel, climb down, show your power, mocking him and taunting him. But then there's a change of heart that seems to take place in this criminal over time while they're on the cross and he begins to see that Jesus really is the son of God. There's something special about this man. And while the other criminal taunts Jesus, this man finally realizes Jesus is the son of God. We read about it in Luke's gospel in Luke 23 and he challenges the other thief and he says, look, we've done wrong, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he turns to Jesus and he says, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, Will you remember me? And Jesus turns and, and it's this beautiful picture. He's in utter pain, utter discomfort. He, he, he's suffering more than we could ever know or imagine, but he turns to this man, this, this unforgivable man. He says, I want you to know that today you'll be with me in paradise. This rebel is restored. The religious man, Nicodemus, finds a relationship and this thief, this rebel, finds restoration and forgiveness. Nicodemus finds faith, this man finds forgiveness and I just love the fact that these two extremes that it doesn't matter how religious or educated somebody is and it doesn't matter how bad and unforgivable seemingly somebody is that there's hope in Jesus Christ and we see that on the cross the important thing is do we believe that he's come for us you know you might be listening and you might be an educated person even consider yourself to be a religious person but Jesus has come for you to have faith in him and a relationship with him you might feel like you're you're no good You've messed up so badly that God could never forgive you, but that's not true. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and he loves you. Jesus really is for everybody. And in the next pairing, we'll see again that when Jesus came, he came with his arms outstretched for the whole world, for complete opposites and everybody in between. Welcome to the office, and uh, this is the opportunity for us to think about and look at the second pair, these contrasting, another contrasting pair. And, and the two people I want to look at, one is a set of people, one's a person, are the Roman centurion and the women who stand uh, at the cross. You know, the Roman centurion, we don't know much about him, but we do know that uh, centurions were men of war. They were men who'd proven themselves 
in battle. Often they were handpicked by Caesar to um, take on the responsibility of being a Roman centurion. They were disciplined, they were brave, they were leaders of men, they were worldly wise, educated and, and well-trained. And, and so this Roman centurion is all of those things. And the Bible tells us that he's standing at the cross and I'm sure he's witnessed everything that's led up to that moment when he makes the confession that I'm about to, to say now, but, but he would have seen Jesus when he was beaten. He would have been around when Jesus was mocked. He would have probably watched Jesus as he carried his cross up the hill, seen and witnessed him being nailed to the cross, heard all of the taunts and the abuse. He'd seen multiple, possibly hundreds of crucifixions during his life. But in this moment, he's captivated by this man on the cross. And what does he say? Well, in Matthew 27, verse 54, he says this, truly, this was the son of God. He sees Jesus in, again, as I've said, his worst possible state, his lowest ebb. And yet he looks on him and he says, this was the son of God. You know, Romans were polytheists. They worshipped many gods. He didn't say this is a son or was this a son of the gods. He says this was the son of God. He recognises Jesus really is the Messiah. He turns and is transformed from a captain into someone who's captivated by Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's achieved in his, as he's lifted up and he reaches his arms out. This man of war is transformed and he recognises that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That's his confession. It's, it's again another amazing witness and the fact that who Jesus is, who Jesus came for, extended beyond just Jews, but it extended to the Romans and all other non-Jewish people and races. And then the women who stand at the cross. Again, in uh, the Gospels, they, they describe these three women that stay and watch from a distance, but they stay throughout while others have run away. The other disciples have fled the scene, but these women faithfully stand. Mary, Magdalene, Mary and Salome, who's also called Mary, three Marys are standing there right to the end. Why? Because they believe in, in Jesus and who he is. They're not leaving his side, they're, they're staying with him. And we need to understand that in ancient Middle Eastern times, women were regarded as second class citizens by that culture. Jesus didn't treat them that way. God didn't see them that way, but that was the culture of the time. They were dismissed, they were overlooked. And these ladies who would have been dismissed are actually really dedicated, totally devoted. And the incredible thing is they are completely dignified because when Jesus is resurrected from the dead, who does he first appear to, but to at least two of those three Marys in the garden. They are the first to witness his resurrection. They were the ones who were devoted and dedicated and were dignified in seeing Jesus in his resurrection glory as he reaches his arms out and he says, Mary, reveals to her that he's alive, that he's conquered the grave, he's conquered sin and death. And you know, nobody is too dismissed. You're, you're, you might feel at times overlooked or forgotten, but God hasn't forgotten you. God never overlooks you. Jesus sees you where you are. You may be important and influential. People may look up to you and admire you, but you also need to understand this, that Jesus is the King of Kings. He's the Prince of Peace and he's worthy of our worship and our honour and our, our declaration that he is the Son of God. You know, one of the things I, I really love about this these four stories is, 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 as I've already said, how inclusive the gospel is, how all-embracing Jesus is. 
by what his death actually means. And that when he was lifted up, that those who believed in him received eternal life. Nicodemus, the educated Jewish scholar, received eternal life. The thief on the cross received eternal life. The Roman centurion, I believe, received eternal life. He believed in who Jesus was. And the women who stood and watched and stuck with him received eternal life. And even today, Jesus stands. This time in heaven, but he stands with his arms outstretched. And my hope is in what I've said to you today in this video that I've lifted up Jesus. His arms are outstretched. And my prayer is that you will believe in him, that you will be drawn to him, that he will draw you to himself, that you'll have faith in him. Maybe you've believed in him for a long time, that you have a fresh faith and appreciation of how glorious and how wonderful and how welcoming he is to us. And everything that he's done on the cross is perfect and complete. We don't need to add to it. Or that if you've never known him, that today you hear something that just prompts something in you to want to find out more and want to respond to him in prayer. So I would like to just close in prayer and then we'll carry on with our Easter celebrations. But let's just uh, close our eyes for a moment and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you sent your son. And Jesus, I thank you that you came with arms outstretched. I thank you that you were lifted up on the cross. I thank you that you laid your life down for us. I thank you that in your earthly life, your arms were outstretched. On the cross, your arms were outstretched. And even today in your resurrected glory, your arms are outstretched. And Lord Jesus, we exalt you. We lift you up. We honour you for what you've done. And I pray that for every person who's listening, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to every person, that you'd reveal Jesus to them in a fresh and a new way. And that today we have a fresh appreciation of who Jesus is and what he's done. And we just thank you for your goodness and your greatness. Amen. Be really blessed. Have a fantastic Easter. Don't eat too much chocolate, but have as many hot cross buns as you like, particularly the toffee and chocolate ones that they sell in Aldi and I'm sure in other retailers. Um, kids, stick around because we have a special little treat for you right now. Um, and to everybody else, be massively, abundantly, majorly blessed. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.